everybody. Hi, welcome back. Today is for our crime junkies and his story. Phonetics, me. I'm, well, I'm I'm the crime lover, so I mean, it's like us meeting together. And it's like, like half and half coming together and making some perfect story. Great, great magic ice cream. Magic ice cream. No, I don't know. Is that non-dairy? <laughs> My lactose intolerant ass says, I don't know. But anyways, yeah, no. This, um, if you don't like crime stuff, I mean, it is gory. We'll, it, yeah. we'll see you within two weeks because we're taking two weeks to cover this story. Yeah, because, yeah, no. Two-part series. It's going to be a big one. I mean, even the book that I read on it was supposed to be a short story. This short story was 20 pages. <laughs> so we're talking about the infamous hanging of Mrs. Potts. Yes, Elizabeth Potts. Potts. Um, and it's crazy because her husband was involved, but all of our research was heavily revolved around her. Yes, because she was the only woman to be legally hanged in Nevada as of, you know, initially when the judicial system was put in place. She was the only one typically, or not typically, but that was recorded when the system was set up. I've, she also haunts the courthouse currently. Yeah. The <laughs> the stories that you hear from them, the clerks, um, is it's crazy. Yeah, I mean they've got we we were able to read the actual court documents from the clerk at the time of the trial. Yeah, and this is all based in the eighteen hundreds, you know, right before the nineteen hundreds. But just crazy to think that this stuff is made such a big impact yes well i mean it's very infamous here we do they do ghost stories about it and plays so we're we're kind of gonna take it into the story aspect of it so it, it may differ from what you guys have heard previous yeah we've purchased books we've gone <laughs> to cemeteries we've hit the museum courthouse i mean everywhere internet everywhere down a headstone paying respects yeah literally just to find out we were still led into some deeper shit. Yeah, well, and I like to tell the story from the start. So I was diving into ancestry. So I'll kind of like give you guys their backgrounds. Yes, yes, yes. And I will throw my tidbits in. Yeah, but it was hard to find stuff on Josiah because it was heavily focused around Elizabeth. So Josiah was born in 1842 in Manchester, England. Um, he had six siblings and it, it's not clear what he did up until he married Elizabeth. Like, yeah. that's when everything got interesting. Mm -hmm. So shooting over to Elizabeth, she was born in December of... December 21st, 1846. Like, that's how specific they get into Elizabeth. Wow. Yeah. She was born to her parents, Michael and Jane Arthurton. Arthurton. I'm going to say that. I might be butchering it. I'm, I apologize. Story my life. <laughs> Her father was an engineer and her mother was a beer housekeeper, which is just a bartender. Just yeah. fancy words. And they ended up both being barmaids, right? Elizabeth and her mom. Elizabeth and her mom for okay. money. Okay. Um, so you found that they got married early? Yeah. So they were just teenagers. In December of 1863 is when they got married at the St. John's Church in England. And then after that, two years later is when they moved to, they, they immigrated essentially, <laughs> to the U.S. Yes. And they um, moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes. And to give you guys like a better vi visualization of our characters, well, they're not characters. They were actual people, obviously. Yeah. So Elizabeth was a big, stout woman, handsome 200 pounds. That's what they said in the newspaper. Kind of fucked up because I'm 190. And am I going to be handsomely almost 200 pounds? And in the pictures, she doesn't... We'll post it on our Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't look like they're describing her. It makes me sad. Yeah. Like, 
Okay. <laughs> but at that time, you got to keep in mind, people were dying by their 50s. Yes. That was their, like, expected rate of death or expected age of death. So they were basically comparing her to what you think of your grandma near death. Yep. Okay. Oh, that was a little bit morbid, but you know what I mean? No, I mean, it's it's important to tell all parts of the story. And she was the dominant partner. Now, Josiah was always happy to let her be through because he was mild-mannered, but he was just like a, you know, skinny, handsome fellow clean cut essentially and elizabeth just she ran the house and did what she wanted to she wore the pants yes so with that in wisconsin they showed up with um seven kids yes and i i feel like it is important to kind of get into that yes so they had seven kids but ended up adopting all of them out besides charles and edith um which i think is crazy as mom yeah seven kids and you only keep two now times were different times were different but i do think it plays a part in the story knowing her character where we try and decide if she was guilty or not yes i mean i want all parts of the story that's what we're doing we're giving you all parts wow that made me sound really judgy but like no you're not being now i'm like nothing give us i'm like "Mm." no you didn't but you know yeah so josiah ended up getting um a job as a mechanic yes he, he was a master mechanic for the railroad. Yeah, in the shops of Central Pacific Railroad in Terrence, Utah. Yep. But uh, it wasn't until Carlin, I don't know, they sent him here for Yeah, work. they continued his trade uh, through the company in Carlin. So essentially just transferred him over. Yep, and that's when they showed up with just two kids. Yes. Um, And so while in Carlin, this is kind of where the story gets a little bit of spice, you know? Elizabeth separated from him. Yeah, she was a stay-at-home mom with uh charles and he was 13 years old at the time and edith was only three yes and so they separated so it is actually speculated that it was for financial reasons um however this is where it gets conflicting people are saying that she's she's separated but what did you read about it so it said basically josiah was well liked like everyone loved him and carlin especially his co-workers however elizabeth was not liked and people kind of started to notice that she was taking frequent trips to California. Fresno, to be exact. Yeah, and the neighbors were questioning it, but Josiah just, I think he was just trying to do what he can to make it work. Yes. And especially with her being the dominant partner, he was just kind of like, you know, she wears the pants, she does what she wants. Yes. And, you know, so she kind of, it. this is where it gets conflicting. Yes. Where some say she they separated, others said, she was just taking frequent trips. She was just trying to get out of the house. I mean, I guess, do what you gotta do. Quote, unquote, rumors of the fast life. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they said. But anyway, she was going to Fresno, California. And this is where the story gets super spicy. And it takes a turn. Yeah, because Elizabeth is even stated that she's the spicy individual. So when her neighbors would talk shit about it, she came back at them and they ended up leaving her alone. Yes. Miss so handsome, 200 pounds. God, that pissed me off. She out. got game, though. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> this is where she met a man. He was actually a carpenter, and his name was Miles Fawcett. Miles was also from England, so I'm assuming, you know, hey, you from England? I'm from England. But you actually know how they met. Yeah, through, like, a mail-order bride system. Um. So, actually, so he was, it's Miles Fawcett. He was uh 56 years old, Englishman lonely motherfucker so rich motherfucker (laughs) yeah 56 years old like i think she was marrying him for money see and yes that's i because he was well off 
Yeah, he's well off, definitely playing with time with his life. So, uh, yeah, it ended in a bigamous marriage, and that was what was in the newspaper. Yeah, so he ended up working with a marriage broker in 1887, like Michaela said, in Fresno, California, and he paid $105 to get set up with Elizabeth. Yeah, insane. Notorious. But she was going after under her maiden name. Yes, which was Elizabeth Arthurton. So she was 38 at the time is what she stated, and she was a widow woman. Yes. The nest in the system. But um, after that, later in the year, she decides, you know what? I need to be back in Carlin. Yep. 1887. And here is the crazy part. Miles follows her back to Carlin. And purchases, well, he lived with them first. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. So, so the PI ended up finding out that Elizabeth was in her 40s, not 38. And that she had a husband, Josiah, back in Carlin. And he was alive. And he and was well. <laughs> alive and well waiting for her. And Elizabeth rolling in her dreams was her guilty conscience speaking out to him. And this PI was like, dude, you gotta leave her. <laughs> gotta be done. Gotta press some charges. And so... Luckily, Elizabeth got him, finessed him. Sweet talked him. I don't want to know how. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they do back there in the 1880s. But, but she, yeah, she, she got charges it. dropped and she hauled ass to Carlin. And he followed. And he fucking followed her. That's so weird. And they he lived with them for a little bit and then brought a, bought a property close by. But keep this in mind. So in the mix of all this, Josiah had no fucking idea. Now... He took that shit to the grave. He had, no, yeah. Keep in mind through this whole story, nobody knew that she had the second marriage until, <laughs> until like after a death. journalist brought it into the. Yeah, from California, came through and was like, hey, she was also married <laughs> yeah. to the guy that, never mind, I won't go into it. Okay, sorry. Okay, okay, yeah. But, <sighs> but um, yeah, so after he had that house, he decided, you know, I'm going to stay in Carlin and he went and got a ranch. Yeah, quote unquote was so obsessed with her. It was like Mark Anthony with Okay. Yeah, Mark Anthony with Cleopatra. I thought at first I thought I said that wrong and I was like, like You got perfume on your mind? Damn. Not that Mark Anthony though. No. Oh I was like, Where are you going with this? I forgot they had the perfume. Dude, yeah, he was so infatuated, he sold his property and took off. Yes. And it's crazy because people liked him. He was well liked. Yeah. So he bought he bought property, which was the Hot Springs Ranch on Cherry Creek, seven miles away from them. But this was later on after he was lodging with them. Yes. And here's the crazy part. Um, he would go for meals and she would wash his clothes. Yeah. At least twice a week, she'd do baked goods and wash his laundry. And he's like, bitch, you don't. If you don't do this, I'm going to tell your man that you were my woman. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like that. That's Literally, he threatened her. Yes. So she was scared. So of course she did what, you know, of course she's like, just let him stay. Just let him stay. He's fine. Little did he know. It's Poor Josiah didn't even know. He's just rooting for the woman. Yeah. Or yeah. Maybe not. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Okay. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> so. The crazy part of our story, it starts January 1st, 1888. This is where things would go sour. You have the actual conversation of what he said. Yeah, so, okay. So it was the worst storm of the season in Carlin. Deep snow, keep in mind, they got horses, wagons, they're trucking it, okay? 
He went to go pay up some debt with uh, J.R. Linebarger to pay him his $5 debt that he owed him. But when he pull, paid him up, he pulled out over $100 in gold pieces. And J.R. was kind of like, whoa, that's a lot of money. Because that was a lot of money back then. Yes. But, you know, essentially he followed up with, yeah, I'm after this, I'm headed over to see the Elizabeth yep. and the Potts and get some money that they owe me. So... This is where things get crazy because JR's like, you know what? I'll go with you. Let's go. We're going to have like a little New Year's get shindig. Kind of. I think that they were like headed to go party, but we're like, we're going to stop by the, the pots first, get our money, and maybe keep it coasting. But I don't know. I don't it's, know. This is where it's different times. Maybe they didn't party like New Year's back then. Maybe he was just collecting debt, but storm hit. He ended up staying with Mrs. Potts. And he actually told JR's that... He, JR's? <laughs> Not the restaurant, guys. He actually told JR that, hey, I'm going to use her pass to get my money. Yeah, and JR was like, dude, get your money, but come back with me. And Miss Potts convinced him, and JR was kind of, like, raising an eyebrow, but... Yeah, yeah, so JR was like, I got to head out. I can't remember what it was said he was doing, but... All of that speculation. And Miles was like, you know what? I'm just going to spend the night. It's a crazy storm. But here's where I'm kind of like side-eyeing it. Because if JR left, he should have left too. He should have been okay to leave. It's just like leaving your drunk friends at the bar. If they're wasted, they're coming with you, right? Exactly. If you're a true homie, you're going to take them with you. So Miles was 57 at the time. And after this, after that faithful night, he was never found again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is this is where things get crazy. Yeah, so a couple days later, Linebarger asked Josiah Potts what happened to Fawcett because He's he gone. hasn't seen him. And uh, Potts told Fawcett that he was called back east, okay? So he was trying to skip skip town, essentially, uh, on some land deal. And he, he just left suddenly, which JR was like, there's no way, because he had tools. And he told Josiah, well, he borrowed some tools, you know, not like him to just take some tools and not bring them back. Yeah, well, because he was well-liked and had a good reputation. So then Potts then mentioned that he had some trouble with Fawcett because Fawcett was trying to hook up with the Potts little girl. Keep in mind, we mentioned Edith. Edith was three years old. Josiah accused Miles of raping Edith, and he caught wind of it and threatened him. And so that's why he skipped town. Yeah, and his story was like... He signed everything to me to pay for that debt. Yeah, it said Fawcett signed over all his property and left the country. And that's why he hopped town. And so JR was kind of like, oh, weird, weird. Linebarger didn't believe Fawcett and wouldn't like leave without telling him that he had several business dealings still left over. So like I said, with the tools and a lot more that was going into play that he was supposed to finish up before he dipped out to a different country. So two days after that, Linebarger ended up getting in contact with uh, Deputy Sheriff George McIntosh and tried to report this. And they went to the Fawcett's Wrench to kind of, you know, clear air. Mm-hmm. And Fawcett wasn't there. The door was left open. Fawcett's clothes were hanging in the room as if he never left the country. The bed... Stoves, dishes were all well there, and there was no notes or letters saying that he dipped out of town. Yes. So yes. it kind of looks suspicious because 
Fawcett was gone at that point. Didn't they ask to see the deed? Too? Yes. So Linebarger turned over the bill of sale from the pots because the pots did present it and say, hey, he signed over his shit. Here's a signature. Yeah. And he gave it over to Sheriff McIntosh. And somehow, like, it's gone. Later in the story, yeah, they're going to find out that it ended up getting lost. So this bill of sale was like a huge thing to decide if they were guilty or not. But ended up getting lost somehow. But because they they said that the sheriff had it and then he returned it to Linebarger. Yeah, and then at that point it just disappeared. After this all said, this is all within days. Yeah, this is all like still passing through. On January third, eighteen eighty eight, Elizabeth told the neighbors she was going to go east to visit some relatives. So Elizabeth ended up taking Edith and a few clothes and went to Elko. uh, Bought some clothes for Charlie. Then spent the night at the Depot Hotel, which is crazy because... Do we know what that was at the time? I think that's the old Western Folk Life Center. But look. Go ahead and look that up. But, um... And then boarded the train, the next train they were supposed to take to Carlin. Ended up just going straight through and took off to San Francisco again. So, dude, then they didn't return for seven months. They just dipped out for seven months. In the meantime, Josiah took Fawcett's tools and toolbox to Thomas Souter and asked him to keep them until Fawcett returned. He was trying to set up an alibi. Oh my goodness. So Elizabeth finally returned to Carlin and lived in the house for a month. Then in September of 1888, the pots sold their belongings. And that's when uh, the Fawcett's then moved to Springfield, Wyoming. Yes. Yes, and so, I mean, nobody nobody questioned that. No, they, well, Pot said, hey, I found a better job out there. And so then, the, um, essentially, they sold it to a musician. And a musician lived in the Pot's house for a short time. Then in December, George and Amelia Brewer moved in. Yes, so they moved in the house in Carlin. And the wife, she, you know, she said she was a sidekick. Kind of a medium. Yeah. Picking up energies. Yeah, and then she was like, you know what? There's something weird with this house. I'm picking up paranormal activity. Um, she noticed tapping on the headboard. Uh, the it's... ghosts would mess with the kitchen. Yeah, something was in the cellar. They were moving pickles. <laughs> moving pickles, rubbing against the walls. And she was pumped, dude. She, like, was bragging about living in a haunted home. Yeah, so here's where it gets kind of crazy. She would write to, at the time, it was... Well, now it's Elko Daily Free Press. Yeah, back then it was just Elko Free Press, but same thing. Yes, she would write about it. Yeah, under the name of Busy Bee. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Like official date. So keep this in mind. This is not far off. Her first one was January 5th of 1889. And it would have been printed in February 9th of 1889 so we're still all within like a couple years a couple years and she said that the ghosts love being in the cellar there was they just couldn't figure it out what was it that brought the husband in because that's where things get kind of like because she okay so um she basically was uh okay so one excited to have a haunted house she said no one has had luck like her yeah especially being a medium so busy bee but then she kind of got tired of it because she kept getting upset because the pickles kept getting pushed over. Just moved? So jar of pickles would just bust on the ground. Yeah. Like getting pushed off. Or getting pushed off. They would get pushed off. So, you know, she's having issues. She's like, I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah. You need to like, hun- honey, 
Go figure that shit out. Go in the cellar. Yeah, so Amelia finally got her husband to go down there <laughs> into the cellar and check on these eerie, ghostly sounds. This quote, is the unquote. first time, right? Yeah. He's like, babe, you're crazy. Like, just, just relax. Yeah, so he took a, a rod down there. The started, next time. Yeah, the next time because homegirl said, I feel him. I, I swear. He's, he's pointing me down. Pickles are flying. Okay. Can, can, can goods. Not the fucking pickles. Not the pickles. That's where I fucking put it down. That's it. That's <laughs> it. No. So he goes down there with his, his nice little prod. Little metal prod. Yep. And so when he's down there, he's poking and prodding. And he finds a soft spot where some shelves were freshly built. Sus. Very suspicious. Every every little crime enthusiast knows. Something happened there. Something, something bad. Something happened. Okay. So he's poking and prodding. And something pops up. What it looks like a turnip. Pulls it out. And, and and you're gonna have to wait until next week. Yeah, we got a cliffhanger. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry. so it's it's sorry. Sorry. We had a real back in. Okay. You're hanging on a cliff. <sighs> I'm sorry. But dude. Don't you dig in either. You don't don't do it. Let us tell you. Because we we've got some tea that I think some people may have missed on because even the gal that wrote this book that we're going to reference later on, even Homegirl missed out on some. Yes. So, I mean, we have done our, our fair research and I don't, don't look into this. Don't do it. Cause you know what? You're not going to find what we found because the, the I looked on the internet and it was very conflicting. Oh, little did we know it was just going to be, it was, it was like the turnip. Dude, dude, there's more to just, it. Just wait for it. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go into it. Okay. We'll talk about it. I'll talk about it. You just got to be patient and it will be next week. Yes. All right. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the drunk girl, the drunk girl stall talk. All right. I love you guys. See you next week. Let's do this again sometime. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to be positive. Okay. We just, we're telling a terrible story. You look beautiful. Just so you know. <laughs> you guys are beautiful. Love you. Bye. <laughs> don't go. Don't go anywhere. Don't go breaking my heart. <laughs> like Josiah. Okay. Damn. Damn. Elizabeth. That was too soon. Okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna go cry over that. <laughs> Until next time. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.